Welcome to the Design for Healing podcast. This is your host, Alex Parnell. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist in the Austin, Texas area. I'm here to introduce you to and share the wisdom of some amazing helpers and healers from around the world. Enjoy the show. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Alex. I can't wait. I'm excited to be here. I'm going to just read off a little introduction for you. Tracy Peary is a licensed clinical social worker with 15 plus years of experience working with trauma survivors. She uses and teaches a comprehensive trauma approach at her group practice called Hope for the Journey in Renlock, Texas. That's us. So Tracy, I'm really excited to hear about what you do and what you teach and how you work with trauma. To begin, can we talk about even how you think about what trauma is and how, how you def- even define that? Sure. Trauma can be anything that's unresolved. So we talk about little T's and big T's. So little traumas and big traumas. An example of a little trauma might be, you know, you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you broke up with and it never really, you never really processed it all the way through. Or your parents divorced and it wasn't a high conflict divorce, but there were some unresolved feelings about it. An example of a big trauma might be, you know, a sexual assault or a, a major medical trauma. There's all kinds of ranges between the two and they can impact us in big and small ways. So a little T can still impact us in a big way. And a big T might not impact us as obvious ways. So when you come from a trauma lens and as a therapist, when you're kind of looking at this, you're just looking for those areas that are still unresolved, like the emotions come up or you feel strong things in your body. And so we wanna attack those issues very gently and allow people to learn how to kind of settle down their nervous system so that then they can process it through more fully. I love how you just said attack those issues very gently. It's like this both, we're not going to compromise on being effective and thorough. And also we're not going to be rushed or rough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it starts from the first session or really the first telephone call. You know, one of the things that we constantly tell people is when you are talking about your history or you're bringing up all of these things, it's normal to start having emotions bubble up or body sensations that come up. And we don't want to white knuckle it through it, especially at the beginning. So we encourage people to tell us just the, you know, the headline instead of the full story and try and stay a little bit away from the story of what happened at the beginning until they learn the skills to be able to sometimes even just recognize what is coming up. A lot of people are so good at avoiding and numbing themselves out that they don't even know what's coming up. And so we really have to slow down that process at the beginning and that allows us to go fast. So we do pretty short term work, but in order to do it, it feels pretty slow for people at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of 
what are you feeling now? And what's coming up? How do you know, I noticed this in your, in your body, what, you know, what's that going on for you? And, and allowing people to understand that a little bit more and settle down. And then we can go a lot faster because your body is like trusting that, oh, I'm listening to what's coming up. I'm listening to the emotions and that feels very different for people. A question that came up in my mind to ask you, how did you come to discover that this all was a thing, that, that this was something that you could work with? Like trauma mm-hmm. in particular? I kind of got thrust into trauma world. I started out in child protective services and worked with sex abuse and mental health cases and had really, have just had really good training and have found that I like it. I like being able to help somebody going from sometimes multiple panic attacks a day and nightmares where they're afraid to go to sleep and be able to help them feel really confident in themselves to be able to manage that. And then I've just always done it. So I've just gotten more and more training and sought after. I've been blessed to have had really good mentors and really good, you know, consultation groups. And, you know, there's just, there's a lot of good research out there on trauma. And so as you dig deep and dig deep and dig deep, you just start to kind of develop your own style, but it's all research-based. It's all based on learning how to regulate your nervous system and learn how to get yourself to a place where you can trust yourself again, because that's what trauma takes away. It takes away your belief in yourself. It takes away your belief in your ability to manage in the world. It takes away your safety or your sense of yourself. And so that's what we're trying to get back to as a positive belief about who I am in the world and some sense of agency. Okay, so through this combination of great experience from the beginning of your career and great training. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you pretty early on came to see that, oh, this trauma that, that I'm seeing, there is help. There yeah. is a way to work with this. And, yeah. and you can actually see results. Oh, yeah. It's not something that has to be elusive. No, it's very concrete. Yeah, we'll do like a PTSD index at the beginning of treatment and have a specific, this is how much PTSD, this is how severe it is for someone. And then we'll do it at the end of treatment and they're no longer meeting criteria for diagnosis. And it's fabulous. And not only that, but we've also started to talk about what do you need when it gets hard again? You know, we talk about how a lot of times with trauma work, it's like a spiral notebook or a spiral staircase. Mm. And so when you get back to this part of the spiral, you'll feel all those same feelings. You'll think all those same thoughts. It's like a gut reaction, right? And you'll be back in that place where you feel hopeless or helpless or whatever the thing is for you. But when you're up there, if you can remember how far you've come, right? Because what will happen is that your transition into getting to the other part of the cycle where you feel confident and you're like, oh, you've got that relief again. That part happens more quickly if you're able to recognize that, oh, wait a minute, I'm not in the exact same place. I've traveled this far and I've learned all of these things and I no longer am, even though I feel it in the moment, I'm no longer helpless. 
And that's exciting. It's exciting work to do. It's clear. You're describing this thing as this is a clear path. It's a clear process. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about the little T traumas and the big T traumas. Mm-hmm. With the little T's, let's say let's say someone's never had the big T's. Sure. Um, I'm curious what you'd say about on the little T end of things. Can anyone go without experiencing all T's? It seems like something yeah. that everyone that's yes. that's the human experience. Yeah, because. When you're growing up, you go through experiences and you don't have you don't have all the resources. It's like saying, can anyone be a perfect parent? No, because at any given time when you're parenting, you're throwing you're, you're just you're just trying something out. Right. And then you're playing catch up with your kid. So you might do like, I don't know, you've got a young one. Right. So you might do uh, sleeping, you might co-sleep, you might have them cry it out or anything in between. And all of those are fine things, but they're not necessarily going to match with your kid until you try it out and see if it works. And so when you're growing up and you're going through things, you're going to try stuff out and you're going to see if it works. And some of the things that you're going to try out are going to work for you and some of them aren't. And sometimes it works for you when you're a kid, right? Like if you're going through a divorce, for instance, and or your parents are going through a divorce and you are like the peacemaker, that might work out really great for you in that situation, but it might not work so great for you when you are, I don't know, an executive and you need to be assertive. That might be something that you need to go back to and iron out some of those things so that you can have the flexibility to come at a new situation in a different way. Mm -hmm. And unless you've done that work and you're really self-aware of what's coming up for you, we can just continue to be reactive. And uh, it can create all kinds of negative patterns that we want to do something, but we find ourselves doing the same thing over and over again. And it feels very not like us or it feels very young oftentimes those are those little T's and sometimes big T's. I mean, the thing is that most people don't think that they've been through a big T, even if they have, right? Most people that are sexually assaulted are like, oh, but what happened to me is so much easier or not as a, it's not as bad as what's happened to A, B, and C over here. It feels weak to say yeah. that we've been through a trauma. We don't want to label ourselves as victims and that's not my job either. That's not what I want to do. But you have to be able to recognize the pain before you're able to actually deal with it. So you're saying everyone, whether little T or big T, everyone has experienced trauma. Sure. And that doesn't mean that that defines you as a weak person. Right. And it doesn't mean that your parents were bad. Right. It just means that... That's the human experience. And, and even, even how we respond to those traumas, like you said, that the parents getting divorced and then you're the peacemaker, that might work fine then. And so, so even how we respond, it's like those ways we respond at the time aren't, that's not a bad thing that you responded that way. It just might not work out for you now right. as an adult. With that spiral 
the staircase. Could you say that we're all we're all on this spiral staircase? Oh sure. I mean we're that way with fashion, right? What goes around comes around. And we go through these phases and seasons in our lives and there's a cyclical pattern to learning and to growth. It happens in the life cycle, you know, it happens in big ways and in small ways all over the place. And I think one of the things that can be a struggle for people is they, we were talking about how trauma work is pretty straightforward and there's a start and a stopping point to it. But that work of being able to be self-aware and understand what's coming up and being able to regulate your nervous system and being able to move from a place where that automatic negative thought about yourself whether it's I'm weak or it's I'm um, helpless or the world is against me or I can't trust men. And being able to understand that that's coming up and settle it down and be able to process all the way through to where you can believe something that's more helpful for you, like I can learn from the situation or not, you know, there's no, no such thing as all or 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 never, right? And get out of that black and white thinking, whatever it is that you need to do to kind of get to a place that's a little bit more flexible for you, that work goes on forever. And it blossoms up, and then it steps back. So are you saying that there does not come a time where it doesn't come up anymore? Right. Like our experiences will blossom back up. And so if, if someone goes through a situation that was pretty traumatic for them and they got into the habit of maybe numbing themselves out, right? Like every time that I feel this negative feeling, I'm going to go and eat or I'm going to go and drink or I'm going to go and distract myself with video games. That wiring in your brain, it's, it's kind of like a, the neural pathways develop like a highway and it's a super fast highway and we do it automatically. When you do something the same way over and over and over again, it becomes a habit, right? So when you go and do trauma work, what we're trying to do is like take a machete and cut out a new pathway. And it's a lot harder to go on a little pathway that you've cut off with a machete than it is a, a speeding highway, right? And so the uh, more often that you travel that machete pathway, the more it becomes like a highway. But it's pretty easy to get back on another highway. So that's where that constant work of noticing what's coming up for you and knowing what you need to do to be able to kind of come to center and having a system in place for yourself to be able to get back on the road that you choose instead of the one that's automatic, that's the work that is nonstop. And when we go through, it's, it's pretty easy to anticipate what might bring you back to that old highway. So if it's a sexual abuse, for instance, it could be when you have a daughter that's born or that child gets to the same age that you were or when you're empty nesting, there's some developmental things that we can say, ah, oh, there's probably a pretty good chance that this might bubble up. 
But then there's going to be some things that you're not going to be able to anticipate. But if you can recognize what the signs are, then you can, again, know that you're on that other highway and know that process to get yourself back on to the one that you've developed for yourself through therapy and through those good, healthy habits for yourself. And the sooner you're aware of it, the sooner you can get back on that, the one that you choose. Can that machete through the jungle path, can that become a highway? Sure. The more you travel it, it's just like anything. If you've got a little animal path, and more and more often you're going over that, that path is going to become more solidified. And if you're really working on it and you start going over it with a truck or you start laying uh, pavement down, again, it's going to get easier and easier for you to be on it. But you still have to choose to be on that path. And the longer that you've been on that path, the, the heavier that it becomes and the easier it is to stay on it. I could see how... It, it makes sense that we will we will always have to still intentionally choose that path. Sometimes it'll come easily. Sometimes it may not come as easily. Right. And when when there's such immediate access to other forms of relief like alcohol, right, or the screens, all the screens, there's nothing more fast acting than social media or a game or a show. Right. So, so, of course, we're going to always have to choose to the, the other thing. And, and that's not to say, right, that our social media or, or the game or the TV show are, are bad. Right. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just how it's working for you, not just in the short run, but in the long run. It's kind of like there's nothing wrong with a brownie. But if you're always going to brownies day in and day out, and you're not getting vegetables and fruit and, you know, well-rounded well meat, your, your body's going to react to that. And it's going to have issues that are going to come up. Mental health is the same way. You know, if you're always going to something to numb, then your, your body is going to have to get louder and louder and louder to get your attention. Because ultimately... That's what happens with our, our emotions. It's like a bubbling up of information to give us the information that we need to do whatever learning or ever, whatever growth work it is that we're on. And, and so it's helpful information. I earlier mentioned how that spiral staircase for, for trauma work is a spiral staircase for everyone because all of us have experienced some sort of trauma and you said, yeah, sure. that's right. I'm, I'm also noticing uh, something in, in me where I'm thinking, I want to see how far we can, I want to know how much we can, we can generalize and say that everything is included in this framework. And at the same time, I'm curious, is there any distinctions or special considerations here to, that we should be mindful of to not say that it's the same path for everyone? I mean, I think there's some general things that are just human experience, right? When you have, like when you're meeting criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder, then that spiral is going to be, it's going to be more critical that you have someone 
that understands it and that you have the right tools to be able to deal with it because it's going to disrupt your system more. Mm -hmm. I also think that there are things that we can go through that we need special tools for. And if you don't have those special tools, then just coming at it from this spiral, you know, kind of framework is not going to be as helpful for you. Like if you have schizophrenia, for instance, then sure, there's going to be that same cycle that's going to go on, but you're going to need special tools to be able to deal with how that plays out in your life. And, and just a traditional Trauma therapist might not be the best tool for that. <laughs> so, you know, I think that there's some generalities, but it's not diagnostic. It's not saying that if you're in this place where you feel it bubble up and then it, it settles back down, that doesn't mean that you have like a diagnosis necessarily. That's why you go to a therapist and they help you to sort that out. And some of these skills are going to be helpful for everyone. And I use them on a, on a day-to-day basis and I, and I feel it when I don't. And some of them are going to be critical for people just to function. And there's a difference there. So could you tell us what is PTSD? Sure. So PTSD is basically when when we go through a traumatic experience, our brains get overwhelmed, right? And so in that moment, we don't have the resources internal or external to be able to move through that experience feeling calm and secure in ourselves. We just don't have them for whatever reason. And so what happens to your brain when it gets in that place is it goes out of your normal everyday kind of functioning where you're, you know, behind the scenes is dealing with digestion and white blood counts and stuff like that. And in front of the scenes, you're doing schoolwork or doing homework or thinking about your life and things like that, right? What it does then is it, it hijacks your system and it takes it into a really primitive fight, flight, or freeze system. And in that, it actually shuts down your digestion And it says, okay, these things are not important. Decision-making, it takes too much brain power, too too much time. We just need to go into reaction, right? We need to go into impulse here. If you've had a history of trauma, sometimes you'll get into more of the freeze more often. But you'll go into a rage or you'll go into, you know, I'm gonna hide. And there's no thinking or intention about it. It's just your reaction. And so that's a normal reaction to a traumatic experience. What's supposed to happen is then your cortisol levels and everything, all that stress hormones are supposed to start to even out and get out of your system. And then you're supposed to be able to work through and understand that and get back to that place where you're like, okay, this was a bad experience. And I can put that in the puzzle of my puzzle pieces of my life and it'll make sense and I can still feel good about myself. But with PTSD, that doesn't happen. It stays in the here and now for you. So every time something reminds you of this traumatic experience, whether you're aware that it reminds you or your body is aware of it, it's like you're back in it. And so you're back in that fight, flight, or freeze, and your cortisol levels are all crazy. 
And that happens over and over and over again. So you start having nightmares or flashbacks or intrusive thoughts that you can't get away from. And you find yourself maybe dissociating from something or numbing out. And you're just kind of all over the place emotionally. And you can be aware of it or you cannot be aware of it or anywhere in between. And so that happens for longer than a month. And now we're talking about PTSD. Hmm. That doesn't have to be a month right after the event. Oftentimes you can go through the event, start to feel a little better, and then something will remind your system of it. And boom, now you're in a PTSD event years, maybe later. So it's important to know that if you all of a sudden start like having, most people will say, I feel crazy because they're having these reactions that they know are overreactions to their current situation, but their body is still reacting that way. You're not crazy. Absolutely not. And once you understand the PTSD kind of way that your brain works, it's a very, you know, very easily understandable process and very easily you can teach yourself how to get out of that process. But you have to recognize what's going on for what it actually is. And most people think that they're just going crazy or going through a, a mental breakdown, or they'll think that it's ADD, or they'll think that they're bipolar, or they'll think, you know, all these other things are going on, and that's not what's actually happening for you. Is there a trauma spectrum or continuum with PTSDs on one end? Mm-hmm. And the other end is not no trauma, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, because again, we all go through these situations that we don't fully all the way process through. And and then we'll go through an experience where all of a sudden we'll remember something and we've got to go through all of those feelings and emotions again. But that might be just something pretty small and that's the regular emotional experience. And on the flip side of that might be PTSD. And even really further than that might be a dissociative disorder and complex trauma. Hmm. And that's that's way different than just normal PTSD too. I was thinking when you were describing the fight, flight, freeze, mm-hmm. how you're in these later situations or experiences and that response is happening. If you're not aware of what's going on and, and why you're having that response and it's still confusing and it's still disorienting and you and, and you experience more things that continue to bring that up and I could see how that adds up. Yeah, very quickly. Very quickly you can start to really be dysregulated and your sleep cycle can then get off and that starts all kinds of problems. And remember, your digestive system stops when you're in that place. And so then your eating can get all wonky. And that can create more of a roller coaster internally for you. And uh, your relationships then, you know, again, if you feel like you are having these really strong reactions all of a sudden to small things. I'll give you an example. I had a client once that wasn't aware of this at the beginning, but if there was a, like a tampon commercial in the background and she heard it, that was something that triggered off a PTSD response for her. So she could be in this other room, I don't know, writing her grocery list. And then all of a sudden she's on like a heightened alert and she doesn't understand why, but then here comes in her husband 
and he says good morning and she wants to bite his head off because she's in she's in fight it can significantly start to impact your relationships and now we've got all kinds of different things that are adding and adding and adding and adding and it can feel really complex pretty quickly and and that's one of the reasons why therapy can be so helpful because a, a good trauma therapist is going to help you to to cut it down into smaller chunks and then help your brain to learn how to generalize that into all the different areas. So the dissociative identity disorder and complex trauma. And I mean, there's not an end to how complex it could get, doesn't sound like. Yeah, that's going to be for somebody that's had lots of different traumas from a very young age. It's going to be people that have had traumas that have impacted their sense of safety, but also impacted them in shame quite a bit. It's going to be somebody that has maybe had multiple different kinds of traumas, multiple different offenders in their lives, and and didn't have a lot of resources. Resources being like that person that helps them uh, know themselves and believes in them. Or it might be having the structure that they need in their day when they're a kid growing up. It might be having enough intelligence, but not too much, because too much can start to create havoc for people and a lot of extra anxiety and too much boredom and not enough engagement in their day. It could be that people that don't have the friendships Maybe they're isolated or their parents moved around a lot when they're kids. So all of these things will start to add up to a more complex kind of presentation. And your brain wants to protect you, right? And so sometimes the way that your brain protects you, for instance, with dissociative identity disorder, basically what that is, is your brain starts to really get good at compartmentalization. And so it says this part of the mind is going to deal with this trauma, this part of the mind is going to deal with everyday functioning and looking okay so that people aren't freaking out about you and sending you to the hospital every day. This part is going to deal with conflict, right? And they get pretty separated. Sometimes that you're not even aware of it. And so that's basically, it's just a big fancy coping skill that your brain goes through. And then it stops working so great when you're out of the traumatic experience. So there's no, there's no end to the complexity of, of trauma. And, and there's no end to trauma at all. There's, there's no point at which we can get to where we can be perfect parents to raise perfect children who never experience trauma. But it's not hopeless. But it's not hopeless. As we've been talking, I've been hearing about the different ways of looking at how to come out of these places of fight, flight, freeze, and come out of these points in the spiral where things are shutting down. Could you give an overview, though, of an overview of how you work and what you teach of, from start to finish of how someone can go from being really lost in it to getting a lot of clarity? Yeah. Good trauma work is always in three prongs. At the beginning, what we're trying to do is figure out what you need to do to feel grounded and present. 
And the more complex your trauma is, the longer this part can last for you. It can be very quick. You might come in with a lot of ways of helping yourself to kind of come to center, or you might not. And, and so that's a very doing stage. It's very much like we're taking those deep breaths. We're learning how to rate our anxiety from a scale from zero to 10, 10 being like a panic attack or the worst imaginable. And you're learning actively how to turn down the volume of how strong that anxiety is in your body. So you're learning how to regulate yourself and you're attuning in session, right? So like your therapist should be able to get and see when you're out of that and, and not let you keep talking, not let you keep going on into the memory or whatever it is and actively pulling you back to that place where you've just stepped over it and you can kind of pull it back, right? That's that pacing at the beginning where you're learning to build those resources that you're gonna need to be able to do the hard work. And that's hard work. So then you move into phase two in therapy and that's when you're going into those memories. And so that might be through EMDR, it might be through somatic experiencing is another great trauma therapy, it might be through cognitive behavioral therapy or exposure therapy, it might be through internal family systems, which is looking at the different parts of yourself. There's lots of different types of therapy that can work here, but basically, however it is that works best for you, it's always the same, right? You're going into those traumatic experiences, turning down the volume of how strong it is, how strong your reaction is to it so that you feel stable. And then once you feel calm, you can start to understand it in a new way. So you can start to move from a place of I'm helpless to I can learn from this or whatever that positive leap is for you that you need to get in to find that agency and believe in yourself again. And then the third stage is all about integration, right? So how do I continue to do this over time how do I do this within relationships? How do I become more independent so that I don't need my therapist to kind of notice when I'm, you know, off? And so those are the three stages that you go through. And there's a lot of wide variety in how long that takes for each person and which way you would get there. Some people may be really in tune with their bodies and and that may feel really good for them to do something like somatic experiencing and for other people they may be more in their heads and so something more along the lines of like a cognitive behavioral approach might work a little bit better for some people they may need to do EMDR always feels like a mix to, the, to me for that because it's very integrated into the body, but it's also very much a cognitive process. And so it's just figuring out what feels good for you and what makes sense and what works best for you. So we're very kind of solutions focused. We're always looking for what works and then we're going to do more of that. And that's different for each person. And it can be different in your lifetime, right? So when you come in in your 20s, the work that you do might be very different than work that you do if you come in in your 60s. It's just going to change. Of course, it'd be different for everyone. But how do we know when we're when it's time for 
say, the integration phase or when it's time that the integration phase is, is done in therapy? Yeah, so the way that we know to move into the integration phase is by sticking your foot in and seeing how much you react, how much you're able to tolerate. And so we do that progressively. So for instance, one of the things that I will do in the assessment is see how much talking about their trauma they're able to do. And that gives me a good sense of how much resourcing we're gonna need to do, how much building up of coping skills are they gonna need. In an EMDR world, what we're looking for is, is somebody able to elicit the change that we're trying to do within the resourcing phase? So if we're trying to help somebody learn to calm down their nervous system and feel calm, then we might do a visualization of a calm place. And are they actually able to feel more agitated, like bring up something that's mildly agitating, you know, I don't know, I've got to do this nagging thing, right? I've got to go to the grocery store and I hate going to the grocery store. And so I feel that activation in my body. It's about at a three, right? And then I go to my calm place and I'm very quickly able to come back down. Well, great. As long as it's not really complex stuff going on, we know that the resourcing is working and now we can go into the more direct stuff into the memories and the processing piece. And from again, from an EMDR lens, you would be done with the work that you're wanting to work on right then, right? EMDR is very much like you go and have a plan for, okay, we're going to work on this memory, and then we're going to work on this current day situation that's coming on, and then we're going to apply that to a future situation that might mess us up in that same way. So maybe I keep doing this where I'm losing my top in my relationships and I'm saying these awful things and I don't want to, and I keep doing it over and over again. So that might be one chunk. And then maybe I, I keep eating emotionally. And so I want to work on that chunk. You see what I'm saying? So once you finish those chunks and your life is feeling better and your life is feeling like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm at a place where I'm functioning pretty well. That's when we would move into that integration phase and move into that. So it's different for each person, but it should be very clear when you're working through it, kind of where you're at and you're constantly going back to, are we making progress in it? Hmm. And if you're not, then we're gonna try something different. Always going back to, are we making progress? Which is amazing because I know that there can be a thought or a feeling of, am I getting anywhere? Is this working? And to know that we're gonna we're gonna try out whatever is needed. We will get to whatever it is that's gonna work for you. Yeah. It provides a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. And so you would say that for you, for how you teach your other clinicians, that therapy is done when someone can have that trauma response come up and they can go back to peace and go back to calm and centered freely. Well, and once they've met their goals, right? So like I said, a lot of times when people come into therapy, they're coming into therapy because they're tired of the panic attacks or they're coming into therapy because they keep choosing bad partners, right? So if you're, if you're coming into therapy because you're choosing bad partners and we're looking at it from a trauma lens, 
What we're going to do first is give you the skills to recognize what emotions are coming up and how to turn down the volume of it. And then we're going to go into the root of where that started, right? Like we're going to help you root out where that started this negative relationship pattern and help you to understand it and understand yourself and have a clear sense of kind of like what you want to do differently. And then with integration, that's when you're going to be seeing yourself making different decisions with relationships. So your relationships are actively going to be better than they were at the beginning. Mm. And now we know we're done with therapy. That's, that's an important distinction is the actions and lived difference and lived experience. Yeah. Not only am I able to come back down from an anxious space, but then I'm also able to choose differently. I'm able to live life according to how I was hoping to be able to as a result of yeah. being able to come down from that anxiety. Yeah. Therapy is a change agent. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big believer in that. I mean, there is a place for supportive therapy for sure, where you're just helping yourself to tolerate it. But when you're, when you're ready to work on trauma, it's actively changing your life in a way that feels positive and feels productive for yourself. And that's, that's the kind of work that makes me super excited. It is a wonderful thing to be a part of somebody's journey as they are moving from this place where they feel broken and they feel weak or they feel all these negative things about themselves to this place where they're, you know, living a life that is interesting to them and feels meaningful and feels positive and and it's not perfect it's not like they're going from this terrible life to a perfect life they still have problems they still have good days and bad days but there's going to be a concrete difference in their lives and that's exciting yeah. i love doing that what do you say to those who maybe maybe someone hasn't come to a place of uh, recognizing I have trauma and I'd like trauma resolution with a therapist. Or maybe they're for some reason thinking I have trauma and I'm going to take care of it myself. That in of itself, I'm curious what your thoughts are on what's going on for, for those of us who are, who are thinking I don't need help. Yeah. I mean, there's a cycle to change for everything. And just recognizing that you have a problem doesn't mean that you're ready to actually do anything about it. And even recognizing that you're ready to do something about it doesn't mean you're actually going to follow through on a consistent basis. So that process can be pretty, you know, difficult. You're investing money and time in yourself. And so I, as a therapist, want to help you to get to that place where you're ready to be in the action mode but everybody's going to be in a different spot for that. And so that's part of that piece at the beginning and that building stage where we're building those resources is can we get to that place where we're actively mm -hmm. using the skills or what's getting in the way. And you'll go in and out of, I call them change windows, right? We have times in our lives where we're just living and we're doing the work and we're kind of going through the stuff. And then we have other windows of time where, okay, this is when I can dig deep and I can be reflective and I can do that growth work. And, you know, that's just the way that it is. And 
therapy is not the only way to grow. It's not the only way to heal. There's lots and lots of different ways for people to move through their lives in a way that's meaningful. And it's just finding what works for you. So I think that, you know, there's a lot that can be said for people that can maybe just shift. Maybe they're not ready to go and do that deep trauma work, but they want to feel a little bit better. So they're in that that beginning stage, you can learn some skills and just stay right there in that beginning stage and have a, an impact, a positive impact on your life right in that moment, right? Ultimately, what's going to happen is that those feelings are going to continue to bubble up and they're going to have to get your attention in a maybe more dramatic way mm-hmm. for you to pay attention to it, to clear out that clutter, but, but you'll still feel better using the coping skills and, and using more health, leaning away from emotional eating. And instead I'm going to go for a walk every day, right? Those kinds of things, they have value and they have purpose. You said it could be almost anything for someone uh, in that phase of like a, like a walk, for example. Do you have some common recommendations for people that you do? Yeah. And I mean, you know, we could have five different podcasts on this, but I like to, to remind people that first of all, changing how you feel is an action. You can't just think about it. You have to actually change something. You have to actually do something. So that could be in your thinking. So you can focus on thinking more positive thoughts. That could be affirmations. It could be a mantra. It could be a prayer. It could be reading something inspirational. It could be that you do something in your body, right? So this could be stretching or it could be breathing or it could be getting some exercise or whatever. There's looking at it through distraction, right? And so then you want to think about, okay, what's a positive, healthy distraction? So like if I'm angry, it's probably not a great idea for me to go and listen to angry music. It might be better for me if I'm trying to get out of anger to listen to something, I don't know, soft and soothing, right? And so that sensory kind of piece that you're putting yourself into, you're distracting yourself and focusing on the music instead of whatever's going on, but it helps to turn down the volume, right? Then there are relationship, like interaction type ways of coping. So it might be calling up a friend or it might be getting a hug or it might be um, spending some time playing with your kids or what, or your dog or whatever. So trying to really get into the moment without judgment and without the future or the past and just get into the moment and get grounded in that moment. So you've got all kinds of different categories, different ways of doing this. And variety is really the spice of life. So you don't want just one thing that you're going to do because that would be like being on Survivor and all you have is rice to eat. Rice is great, but if that's all you're eating, you're going to get sick of it really quickly and never want it again. And coping skills are great like that too. So you really want a wide variety. You want to have a lot of different things that you can do in different situations because what you're going to do in a meeting is not going to be the same thing that you're going to do when you're in your PJs at home on the couch, right? What you're going to do on a rainy day is going to be different than what you're going to do on a sunny day. And different times a day, you need different things. Really trying to kind of get a concrete list of things to do that help you to turn down the volume is a really great place to start. 
And I like to have kind of five, my five go-to things. I don't let myself complain about how I'm feeling until I've done those things. After you've watered yourself, gotten some sun, mm-hmm. you know, gotten your nutrients. Yep. Fed myself, fed my lonely, right? And some movement. Movement's a big one for me. So like you mentioned, we could do five podcasts and I'd love that. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Where where can people find out more about Hope for the Journey and also just any resources you want to point people to? Sure. Yeah, so our website is hopeforthejourney.org and we've got tons of great resources on there. We've got a pretty extensive blog and vlog area. We're also on YouTube and we've got some videos that if you sign up for our newsletter, we send out basically like resources and things that are helpful. And I've got a 10 part video series called Get Your Grit that are just 10 of these really concrete coping skills that you can bring into your day and practice. And they help you to shift pretty quickly and build that resiliency and that ability to get up when you feel like you've fallen down. Yeah. So those might be some good places to start. Okay. So hopeforthejourney.org where if someone signs up for, they subscribe with their email, will they automatically get those videos? Yeah. There's a button on our website that says free video tips And so you just go in there, put your email in, and it will start sending you uh, once a week. You'll get an email with a video and be able to practice that for the week and see how it goes. And, you know, you can put in comments about how it's going and we'll respond back if, you know, can help you to tweak it a little bit and whatever, whatever you need to be able to start really using those. Some of them will work. Some of them won't because everybody's different. It's just something to try. Well, to everyone listening, I recommend doing the email route versus finding them on YouTube. Because if you get that automatic setup pipeline in coming with those videos, it's going to be helpful. Yeah, it's a nice kind of reset and reminder because we get busy. You know, we get all excited about doing something at one point and then life starts happening. And it's really easy to get way late. So having that once a week reminder to kind of pull you back in can be helpful. Yeah. Any last thing you want to share, you want people to know before we come to a close? I think just that I think a lot of people deal with PTSD or they deal with kind of unresolved things and they think that's just life. And they think that they're not, you know, it's just something they've got to suck it up and deal with. And I just would encourage people to go out there and and invest in themselves a little bit more because it really, life doesn't have to be that hard. You really can get the help that you need and you can work through these things and you can heal from them and, and you really can improve your life in concrete ways, right? You can improve your relationship with anxiety. You can improve your relationship with sad. You can improve your relationships in general. So I encourage people to not lose hope and to invest in themselves and to do this work because it, we only get one shot at this, right? And why, why just go through the grind? Yeah. Thank you so much, Tracy. It was a real yeah. fun chat with you and I'm looking forward to all our future conversations. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Alex. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who you think would also appreciate it. 
Have a good day and we'll see you next time.